Welcome to the Inspired Business Leaders Podcast, brought to you by Inspire Wealth, bringing you interviews with top business professionals, empowering you to understand our current business climate and the successes and struggles other business professionals have overcome. Here's your host, Nick Boer. Hello, and welcome to the Inspired Business Leaders Podcast. This is your host, Nick Bohr, and today we have on with us John Papaloni, uh, who is going to give us his perspective on uh, how he has been able to set himself apart as not only a realtor, but also as a real estate investor for his clients and being able to help them uh, through real estate investing as well as being a realtor. So, John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, no problem, no problem. So, John, let's talk a little bit about, you know, tell me, to begin with, start with, Tell me a little bit about yourself and how long you've been you've been in the in the real estate or in the investment world, and you know what are some of your um, successes and struggles looked like in the past few years with COVID and how have you you know how have you grown through that? Like let, let's just start with a little bit about you. All right, that's simple. I started uh, into the real estate business uh, about seven years ago as an agent. Now, I've been around real estate my whole life because my parents were landlords. So I've been subjected to the business long before I became an agent. And with that being said, uh, when I got into it, what I expected and what, I, and what was reality were not the same thing. So, like, I'll give you some of the stats as an example. And the most realtors, like, I, I, like we'll take my stats in Ontario. There's 92,500 uh, real estate agents. And we'll take 2020, which was the best year. There's 120,000 transactions. So when you do the math on that, it's only about 1.1 to 1.2 transactions per person. And no one's going to survive off that. So, obviously, there's a chunk of people who do zero business, and there's a small portion that do all the business. And that's the 80-20 rule, which everyone's heard of. And so I did not expect that when I got into the business. So, And I'm fortunate that I'm not part of the 80%, but I didn't start off that way. So with that being said, I thought I was going to come in. Everybody I knew was going to get, you know, going to call me and I was going to do business with them. And I was just going to fly off the shelves like I've done in the past, right? And then I got into the business and I got the dose of reality. So with that being said, I found that the more I tried to be everything for everybody, the less I actually did. Um, I ended up on niching down and then you pivot over time. Now, prime example, I niched down to just um, first-time home buyers, as an example. So prior to COVID, so prior to COVID, I was doing uh, first-time home buyers only, and I was doing quite well. I became part of the 15%, which is the 15% of the people making a living, and a, and a decent living. We're not talking about bare minimum, um, where 5% make the wealth. So with that being said, COVID, with the exception of the fact that I forget the fact of what COVID is and how some people got hurt. But that was one of the best times for me in terms of business because um, it didn't seem that way. The first the first month and a half, it was a crazy crap. Like nobody knew what was going to go on. And, you know, it was always that fear, like, what's going to happen? Are we going to be shut down? How long is this going on? But once we got a rhythm back and we realized we weren't really shut down for more than that month, then uh, things took off. And I found a different niche that I uh, – the first time home buyer thing was pretty good, but it was 
kind of like choppy in a sense. Now everyone's going after the same thing because parents are trying to get people out of their homes, so it become more diluted. And I found a uh, different niche by accident. It actually, you know, landed in my lap, and I went with it. And where I am today is an example. I am 70% of my business is agent-to-agent referrals. So I don't even market or target the general public. Other agents who don't service my area send me my business 70% of the time. The other 30% of the time that I seem to have a niche with is um, investors. And those are my repeat business, and that's what I call my base business. So whether the 70% sends me business or not, the 30% covers my bills regardless. So Interesting. Okay. So, so when you say the 30% is investors, give me perspective. Are you talking uh, residential? Are you talking commercial? Are you talking apartments? Like what, what, are, what is a typical investor looking for? Do you have a specific niche inside of that, or is it just any investor in real estate? Okay, no, I, I focus on um, residential only. Okay. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean single-family homes. Any form of residential it could be apartment buildings, multifamily, um, because I'm going to contradict myself here. But it'll be more explanatory. Um, I don't understand commercial. To me, commercial makes no sense whatsoever. So I try not to get involved in things I don't understand. And here's what I mean by it. Now, you take a Starbucks building, and you make it a house, I can come up with the $1.5 million valuation through normal you know, comparisons and stuff. But now all of a sudden you turn it into a Starbucks and you get cap rates going and other stuff and like next thing you know, now some of that same building is $5 million. And I'm like sitting there going, same square footage, same lot, same everything. Makes zero sense to me whatsoever. And I can't grasp it. But for whatever reason, this is the contradictory part. Now when you take that and you t- take that into apartment buildings, which is the same concept with cap rates and and, and NOI and all that. And I can understand it in apartment buildings, but I can't understand it in retail. It just, I don't get why my brain works that way. So I just avoid the uh, commercial space other than apartment buildings. You know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, I, I see this all the time in my business, you know, being a financial planning firm and been in that industry for 20 years. It's, it's, it's interesting because we don't see, as professionals, enough people saying, you know what, I'm not an expert in that area, or I really don't understand that area, so I'm going to stay away from it. Unfortunately, there's still too many professionals out there trying to be the the jack of all trades, master of none. And I, I think that's I think that's a big mistake, and especially in the real estate world, I, I think that's true. But I also really think that's true in the in the financial planning or the financial services space. Um, you know, I I, I know I, I don't even I don't even know, John. I probably know fifty realtors within twenty miles of my office, and and and, and I've never had one really say, hey, I, I just do first-time home buyers, or I just get referrals from other realtors because I don't cover this area, or I don't. Like, it's interesting that you're saying this because, I, you know, what I want to know more about from your perspective now, so, so you get referral to referral from other agents is 70% of your business, and 30% of your business is the repeat investors. So let's break that down for a minute. Let's start with 
help me understand the, the, the other referrals that come in from other agents. What does that look like and why are you getting those clients versus the other agent keeping them? Uh, well, okay, because usually it's distance-wise. Now, it was especially during COVID when everything was busy before the interest rates started going up. What ended up happening is people, I, I'm getting it from other top producers, like, and I built relationships with them, which I think is the key to every single business because you get most of your business by building relationships. And I think the gravy comes from people you don't know because you get few of them. Yeah. So with that being said, so I built a lot of relationships out there, and it was intentional, and I built it. It started off with a friend who referred me and then was very happy with my service, so he started referring other agents. Every time other agents came up and said, I'm looking for someone, just say in the Niagara region, which is going to be on one side of where I live, versus when they live in the other side. So rather than doing that hour-and-a-half drive when, when they're already busy, busy, as I mentioned, they're top producers, so they don't have the time to drive because to drive and service one person on the other side of the city it would take away maybe three to four hours of the time and that same three to four hours they can service two people where they are so it's a, like sense. yeah so they refer it to me and they get a percentage they take i'll just tell you what it is they take 25 percent of the sale so okay. so they get a referral and i end up doing the work so it, it, that's why i said it landed on my lap because a friend of mine got stuck and he says, I don't really know the area anyway, so I don't really want to service that. But since you live in that area, would you mind, you know, showing my uh, client a few homes over there? Uh, absolutely. And then I just built from there. And then, and then I thought, you know what, this is natural. It's easy flowing. Why uh, go against the tide? If this one here is building with a natural progression, why not focus more on it? I, I, you know what? And again, I, I know a lot of realtors and I've never heard anyone else say what you just said. I think that is absolutely really brilliant. I think that you've separated yourself from the eons of realtors that are out there, you know, because the real estate boom and because everyone are trying to, you know, just, just get a little piece. I mean, I, I don't know how, how it is as much in the, you know, in the Toronto area, but like I know in the States, it seems like everyone wanted to get real estate license because they wanted to get paid the commission on their own properties or on their parents or their family. And it just, it got so diluted that the people that actually are knowledgeable and know what they're doing in the real estate market, like they had to almost reinvent themselves or they were going to have to do that much more in marketing. So I, I give you a lot of credit, as you say, kind of kind of going with the tide and kind of following that. I think that you've carved out a, a really good niche for yourself in the fact of, hey, look, you can tell a lot of top producing realtors that you know are at least an hour away from you. Hey, you know what? I'm willing to, to give you a piece of the commission. I'll do the work. You know you can trust me and you know I'm knowledgeable and everyone wins. You can work with more yeah. clients. You win because they're people that you never would have saw, and you're getting 75% of the, of the commission. And, you know, you, you might get an opportunity to get referrals from them that might not even go back to the original producer. Yes, and that happens too. And in fact, to be honest, I built some friendships with some people where like in a, in a week or so, I'm going to a barbecue with one of the referrals. I sold them the house nearby where I live. It's probably it was the biggest sale at that time that I've done. 
before that time. I mean, I've since done more sales and bigger sales, but that was the first sale that I did that broke the million dollars. And okay. now here we are years later, we're still uh, in contact and I'm going to their house for a barbecue and swimming in the pool. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so you really have built some good relationships. Well, and I think I think you mentioned this earlier too about you know about getting the referrals from the other uh, the other realtors. It is all relationships, and it's all building those relationships. And it's obvious that you know how to do that, and you're doing a good job at it because you know, like you said, years later, you're still like you're getting invited to their house for a barbecue, and that's I don't I don't see that a lot in the real estate world, obviously, I mean, I do in my world, uh, in the financial planning space, because I think that, you know, you, you really get, uh, you, you build not only professional relationships, but also personal relationships because you're talking about their money. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting because I don't hear a lot of realtors talk like this. And I think that that's a big advantage for you. So I, I give you a lot of credit in, in what you've built and hopefully you continue to have success in that. And yeah, I appreciate it. No, no problem. No problem, John. You know, let, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the investor side. Let's talk about the repeat business and whether it's you know, like you said, it's primarily residential, but it doesn't mean you're limited to single family. Could be multifamily. Could be, you know, could be duplex. Could be apartment. Uh, but so let's talk a little bit about that and what that part of your business looks like and how that's changed and evolved over the last few years. All right. So yeah, here, here's that the thing with investors, right? Like now with investors, there's different avenues and different perspectives here. And I personally believe in like, look, I, I, I would recommend only stuff that I believe in myself that I would buy myself. Um, now, for example, if you're an investor, my first piece of advice is do not buy single family homes. Do not buy anything with one door. There's too much of a risk in one door because, look, I mean, in Ontario, we have rental laws. And with that being said, it's really not for the landlords. So what ends up happening is it's too hard to get people out. Um, when we hit COVID and COVID uh, you know, closed everybody down, we had our premier, which would be the same as your uh, mayor, or something who turned around and says, if you, you know, we're closed down, if you can't afford to pay your rent, then don't pay your rent. And, you know, when you give that kind of message, now the intent was if you have to miss a couple months, miss a couple months, we'll be open again. And when we're open, you can catch up. But that's not what he said. And that's not what the renters took. So uh-huh. what ended up happening was, it was, now it was a small percentage of people that did that. But the point is, if you're that investor that had banked on that rental payment to pay your mortgage, and you go two months, as you said, which end up being six or seven months, as we all know, and seven months of not collecting rent, plus you're paying your own bills on top of that, there's a lot of hardship there. Yeah. So you're relying on one door, you're setting yourself up for a possible disaster. So I don't yeah. believe in single-family homes. I don't believe in condos with maintenance fees as an investor. Now, I, I think that it's different if you're buying a place to live for yourself is different than when you're buying a place for an investment. Now, now to be clear, if you have just say a two hundred thousand uh, dollar down payment, that's all you have, and you can only get approved for eight hundred thousand, and your choices are wait and save more before buying the uh, rental property, go buy your single family home while you're saving, and when you build up the equity, cash out, then upgrade. But gotcha. if we're talking about most investors are when they become investors, they're beyond what I just described. 
So when that becomes in, now they can afford the triplex. They can afford the fourplex. Because, look, I'll give you an example of a live thing that happened in the last month and a half. There's a sixplex that is about a 20-minute drive from where I live. Now, here, here's the one thing. A sixplex, our average home here, our single detached family home was $1.1 million. Now, this sixplex was on the market for $1.65 million. Hmm. So my point is, as an investor, why would you want one door? You don't. I mean, like if you're buying out of emotion and saying, oh, it's got nice granite counters, and you're not living there. What do you care? You're right. renting it out. Right. Right? So I, am, I recommended that place to an investor. My only downside of that is the, uh, you know, the, 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 it was a 4% cap rate, which basically means low income. Right? Yeah. So, but there's opportunity. There's opportunity there because right now, what you could do is buy that that uh, six bucks for 1.65, and then what ends up happening is as tenants leave, you start gutting, renovating it, and as they got it and renovate it, now you can up the price you're collecting, and you can turn that four percent to six percent or seven percent by doing that over time. And the benefit is you can earn money before you spend money, so you don't uh, have to do it right away. Yeah, that's great. No, that's so, a that's very smart, John. I think that's uh, you know I think that's a very smart way to look at it. And, and and you're right. I mean, like based on what you just said, I don't care if you're in Ontario or you're in you're you know you're in Michigan where I'm at, or if you're in any other part of the country in the U.S. It doesn't matter if you're if you're looking at a single family average home of let's just use a million dollars for easy math. And you've got, you know, you've got the ability to buy a sixplex for even as much as $2 million. Why would you buy the single family home when, you know, depending on what the rent cash looked like, you know, what the rent flow would look like? I mean, I got to imagine you could flow a lot more in the sixplex than you could in a single family. And I can give you the math on that. I'll give you an example. Okay. Right? Now we'll look at this. The, uh, that a single family home here that I said at the one million dollars well rents for about thirty six hundred dollars, right? Okay. And now, we, which somebody says, okay, that's not so bad. That's three point six percent. But I just finished telling you that the sixplex is four percent. So you would have gotten four thousand out of that million. But we just said it's one point six five. So now, average rent on, on that fourplex is about uh, fifteen hundred dollars a month. Okay. So fifteen hundred times six, we're at nine thousand dollars. You take out the mortgage, that's about 5000 property tax, everything will save about $6,500. you are bringing home $2,500 in cash flow um, versus the uh, $1 million home, you're bringing about $300. Yeah, what a difference. Yeah, and you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's one of those scenarios that even if you couldn't get the approval by yourself and you needed a partner, you get that partner, it's still $1,250 each a month versus $300 a month. Right. And look at it. Even if one tenant doesn't pay, just say it's back when we're closed and they say don't pay your rent. And I already told you that the statistical amount of people that didn't pay was somewhere between 2 to 4%. So even we'll say that equivalents to one out of the six people. Well, I just showed you it's 2500 rent. The one person could not pay and you're still netting a cash flow. Yes. Yeah. Right? You're, you're, not, you're still you're positive. Not, uh, Right, and you're not blackmailed by your by your one tenant, basically. Right, exactly. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. Is to is to have them, uh, you know, call it a duplex, call it a multiplex, call it 
I, you know, I know the acronyms are a little different based on where you live, but, you know, I know the whole idea is, like you said, have multi-units. And I think that yes. that makes a heck of a lot of sense. So I think, you know, what you're, you know, what you're talking to a lot of your clients about, I do think that's a big way on how you can differentiate yourself. And, I, and, and like I said, I already said you've differentiated yourself because you're getting referrals from other you know, other, other realtors, you know, I've gotten referrals from other advisors from the financial aspect over the years, but not many. And usually it's an advisor that doesn't do um, specific things. So maybe they don't do high level insurance planning, or maybe they don't do tax planning and they're going to refer their client to me just to do that. Well, that's a little different from what you're saying. You're, you know, the realtor is actually saying, okay, they're by you, you know, you, you, can you deal with them? And, and you are, you, you are the realtor for that client now. And yes, the, the other realtor is getting a piece of the pie for the commission standpoint. I still think it's a very unique and strategic way to put yourself out there to show that you are a team player and you're truly trying to help people, which is what, you know, in the professional services services industry, isn't that what we're all trying to do? Is We're obviously trying to make a living, but we're also trying to help people. Right. Now, here, I'm going to tell you something that's going to, I guarantee, is going to blow your mind away. You're not going to believe I would actually say this, but it's the truth. And okay. I think too many realtors out there, and because part of it is the saturation, and people get desperate, and then they change their tone when they get desperate. Now, with the saturation and all that, it's very hard to turn down business. Right. And we all say that we're customer, you know, service oriented, like we're customer centric. Everything we do is for the clients. Now, look at that. And it's not, I don't think that's always the truth. And I've seen somebody ta try to convince me that they bought their Mercedes because they were thinking of their clients. And I'm thinking a client's there to buy a house, not a car. I don't think they care what car they get into. Right. You know what I mean? But anyways, but my point is that people justify whatever they want any way they want to. Now, here's the part that's going to blow your mind away. I've had investor clients that are saying, hey, mortgage rates are up, but home prices are down. Should I be buying or should I be selling? And I said, never sell, stay put. And uh, I would wait it out until about Christmas and then start looking. And they look and go, why? I go, because there's more interest rates coming. And with that, it'll bottom out even more. And I think by Christmas, everything will be leveled off. And I think that's the point you're going to find the best deal. So here they are ready to buy because they have money sitting in the bank. They don't know what to do with. And I'm telling them, don't buy anything. Right? So I can get commissions and get commissions tomorrow morning. But I'm thinking of them, and I think that there's more room to bottom out. And I think they should wait. Most times I don't tell yeah. people to wait because I think it's not a good idea. But in this case... We happen to know that there's going to be another injury. It's like even a worst-case scenario, there's one more interest rate increase in September. Even if that's worst-case scenario, it's still better than buying today in August because it's still going to drop a couple of points in September. Yeah. Now that makes uh, that makes sense. So I mean, you're 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 truly a consultant and truly that um, that professional advisor that's giving them that input, even though you can. You could make a commission by selling or, or buying a property for them. Now you're telling them, look, I would wait, and here's why. So I think that's smart. I think that's putting you again in a different light, and I think that's why you're gonna you're gonna continue to grow and and sustain what your what your growth has been 
because of that, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of realtors out there, like like we've talked about, that it's, it's oversaturated, and they're not experts in some of the areas that you are. But what you're doing and how you're positioning yourself, I think, is very unique. So uh, you know, I, I give you a heck of a lot of credit. Thank you. Now I got a funny story for you. If you have time for to hear it, yeah, I sure. Think it's kind of relevant to show you the level of customer service. Now I have an investor client that I deal with regularly. Buys about three properties a year year in, year out. Um, and here's an example of what, what happened uh, this year. He had bought a, a, a new place that's been renovated. He usually buys it already done. So he pays more, but he knows. But this case, he decided to buy a place and completely got everything. So what ended up happening is I sent him paperwork on Friday. Then he calls me up on Tuesday and said, oh, how many people went through the uh, place? I go, zero. I go, I go you're not even done re- uh, renovating. He goes, but you sent me paper. I go, yeah, you just bought a new home. You, you bought a new home. Oh, well, which one did I get? Was it in uh, Thorold or Niagara? I go, Niagara. Was it a good deal? Yeah. He goes, okay, that explains why I had to send a check. So it got to the point that we have such a good working relationship that he doesn't read what he signs. He just signs and just does what I tell him to do. <laughs> that's, uh, that's interesting. Well, yeah, and that's and, – I was under the perception. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, I was under the perception that he read it, and he says he read it, but then I clearly yeah, he didn't. <laughs> right. No, for sure. No, and it's and, and I think you, you know, again, I think you're acting more as a consultant and more as a professional advisor, which is, you know, that's that's some of the, the relationships that I've created over the years in my business is that, yeah, I, I hope they read it. I tell them, look, read it. This is what it is. But at the end of the day, if they trust you because you've worked together for a period of time, they just sign. So it's, it's, it's interesting that, again, I don't hear of many realtors that are at that point with their clients. So, again, I think you've done a great job by, by the relationships you've built and what you've done for your clients over the years. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no. So, so let's 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 kind of wrap up. Uh, you know, John. You know, I think again. I think that. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed our, our conversation, and I really like the fact that you do. Uh, you are when you say you're you're client or customer service oriented, you truly mean that. And you also have a couple niches that are going to differentiate you and how you work with and how you can help clients. So I think from that perspective, that's great. Um, you know, what's the, what's the best way if someone, you know, if one of our listeners hears, hears this, wants to talk to you, um, wants to, uh, wants to get a hold of you, what's the easiest way or the best way to do that, John? Um, easiest way is you can uh, look me up on social media. My name will show up everywhere. Or you can go to my website at papaloniteam.com. Okay. All right. So lastnameteam.com is the, is the website. Okay. So, no, that's, uh, that's great. So papaloniteam.com. Um, other than that, you know, just want to, again, thank our, uh, thank our listeners for, uh, for listening and uh, really enjoyed my time uh, with John Papaloni today and his perspective on real estate and investments uh, within real estate in today's environment. And uh, thanks, everyone, for the time. Hope, uh, hope everyone, uh, hope to hear from everyone soon. And again, this is the Inspired Business Leaders podcast brought to you by Inspire Wealth. And I'm Nick Bohr, and I'm your host. Thanks so much, and have a good day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Inspired Business Leaders podcast brought to you by Inspire Wealth. 
To learn more about the topics mentioned on today's show or to listen to past episodes, visit www.inspiredbusinessleaderspodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.